In particular, we get a lot of questions about whether or not my worker is an employee or an independent contractor, and how can I be sure that I've got the right answer when it comes to classifying an employee. The Small Business Rundown is the official podcast of the National Federation of Independent Business, the member-driven voice of small business. NFIB and our members advocate to keep America's small businesses strong and independent in Washington, D.C., all 50 states, and the nation's courts. Welcome to the Small Business Rundown, your place for information on independent businesses, victories, and challenges in Washington, D.C. and state capitals. I'm Adam Temple, NFIB Senior Vice President of Advocacy, and this week I'm joined again by Beth Melito, Executive Director of the NFIB Small Business Legal Center. Beth, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Adam, for having me again today. Well, it's good to see you. And um, as the head of the NFIB Small Business Legal Center, um, just generally, what kind of questions and concerns do you and your team hear the most from small business owners? So we get a lot of questions about employment law and human resource matters, as you can imagine. And in particular, we get a lot of questions about whether or not my worker is an employee or an independent contractor, and how can I be sure that I've got the right answer when it comes to classifying an employee. Right. That makes sense. And if if small business owners are hearing about this or looking into it for the first time, can you speak a little bit to why it's important to get the employee versus independent contractor distinction right? So generally, employees have greater legal protections under the law. Um, So they are entitled to unemployment, workers' compensation, and workplace rights like overtime, sick pay, meal breaks, those sort of things there. Um, Additionally, if somebody is an employee, as an employer, you need to pay a portion of that employee's payroll tax, um, the Social Security and Medicare contributions. Independent contractors, on the other hand, are handed a lump sum for their work. They're paid for a job. They're not paid by the hour. And they are to report their income on the 1099 form. Um, They are not given any benefits, and the employer does not pay any part of their taxes. They are responsible for the full amount of their Social Security and Medicare contributions. Um, They are also responsible for withholding income taxes and reporting those quarterly. So there is a big difference between employees and independent contractor, particularly when it comes to taxes. And what steps can an employer take to make sure they're not misclassifying an independent contractor or an employee? Determining the right classification of worker is indeed very challenging. According to some employment law estimates, employers can get it wrong in 10 to 15 percent of the time. And it's not intentional misclassification, as I hear from business owners all the time. Um, It's just that it's very challenging. And I think, Adam, we're going to talk about why it's so challenging, because there's so many darn tests to determine the classification of workers. And what, what if they get it wrong and misclassify a worker? What can happen? So they can be subject to penalties from various federal and state agencies, um, Lawsuits from the misclassified workers themselves. I mentioned, too, you know, a worker might be entitled, if they are misclassified as an independent contractor and actually an employee, they could be entitled to overtime pay under the wage and hour laws. And there's even potential for jail time if it's, you know, severe enough. So you businesses do need to make sure they get it right. And getting into the details a little bit on classification, there are three different ways to look at or test classification. Can you get into the details a little bit more about that? 
Yes, absolutely. And actually, believe it or not, there are more than three tests, but we're going to talk about those okay. three main tests today. So the common law test, the ABC test, and the economic reality test. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, in some situations, some states, an employer is going to need to go through to get it right. Remember, we talked about, you know, how can they try not to make any mistakes yeah. to really get it right. They may need to run through all three tests, okay. which I know sounds like a lot of work, but hopefully our legal guide and payroll company um, will help with getting it right. Tell me a little bit more about the common law test. So that is the most common test. It's used by the Internal Revenue Service. So for your federal taxes, this is the test you would use. 18 states and the District of Columbia also use the common law test. This test focuses on three primary factors, the amount of behavioral control the business has over the worker, the amount of financial control the business has over the worker, and the type of relationship. So in other words, are there any written contracts? Um, Is the business giving the worker any sort of benefits? Those are the sort of things that the type of relationship factor will look at. The common law test presumes that a worker is an independent contractor unless one of the three control factors can be shown by the business. Okay, very important. And the ABC test? So the ABC test is similar to the common law test, um, but it is more stringent. So it's a little bit more difficult to classify a worker as an employee under the ABC test as compared to that common law right to control test. Okay. Um, and under the ABC test, a worker is considered an employee and not an independent contractor unless the business can demonstrate three conditions. Um, The first condition, the worker is free from the control and direction of the hiring entity. The second condition is that the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. And third, the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business. In other words, the worker has their own independent business. I see. Yeah, yeah. And then thirdly, you mentioned not lastly, but uh, there's the economic reality test. Right. And the economic realities test focuses on whether the worker is economically dependent on the employer or is actually in business for him or herself. In other words, are they getting income from another source or are they just doing work for Adam Temple? Right. Are they doing work for other businesses too? As with the common law and the ABC tests, there is no single determining factor under the economic uh, realities test. So again, it can be gray. It can be a little bit tricky um, to go through each test. We have the tests outlined in our guide to okay. independent contractors in more detail. And I think very helpful, Adam, for business owners too, is we give some really good hypotheticals okay. that business owners can look at and then compare to the tests. Right. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. mentioned that there's a lot of gray area. If there's still questions after reading the guide that, that we'll link to in the show notes, where can they go with those to get more information about that? So if Business owners have questions. Um, They are welcome to reach out to the NFIB Small Business Legal Center. You can email us at info at nfib.org. That's a great way to get in touch with us. Or you can always call 800-NFIB-NOW and ask for the Legal Center. Okay. Thank you. So today we're we're focusing primarily on independent contractors and employees, but are there other types of workers outside those two categories that, that folks should be aware of? So there are actually two other categories, and they don't come up as frequently anymore. There is a statutory employee and a statutory non-employee. I think we talk about them a little bit more in our handbook, but a statutory employee is someone who is not quite a common law employee, 
but also isn't exactly an independent contractor. And the IRS has some specific rules on how taxes are paid for these statutory employees and statutory non-employees. These would include, in some instances, licensed real estate agents, direct sellers, certain types of drivers, too, would yeah. fall in one of those two categories there. And as I said, they don't come up as often anymore. Um, and if you have any questions on those, again, you can reach out to the legal center. Okay. Okay. So anything else that uh, would be interesting to the folks listening? Well, employers should be aware the U.S. Department of Labor indicated that it would be issuing a new independent contractor rule. So we are keeping an eye on that. We anticipate that a new rule will be released, and that would impact classification under the Fair Labor Standards Act, the the federal wage and hour rule. So it would not impact, again, the IRS or the common law test Mm -hmm. or any of the tests the states use. Mm -hmm. Um, So keep an eye on that. Um, And, of course, you will be able to read more about any rule changes on NFIB.com backslash legal. Beth Melito with the NFIB Small Business Legal Center. Thanks so much for your time today and for your work at the Legal Center on behalf of small businesses and for joining us to shed some light on this complex issue. Um, With the penalties and fines that are at stake for small business owners, a lot of times when they're wearing a number of different hats, we really appreciate you giving our audience a rundown on worker classification. And now I want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us on today's Small Business Rundown. We'll be back every two weeks bringing you small business news and analysis from Washington, D.C. and state capitals so that you, whether you're a business owner or a supporter of one, can continue to blaze a trail. The Small Business Rundown is brought to you by NFIB, the voice of small business. You can find us at NFIB.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.